Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is your host, Patrick, of the African Economic Foundation. And I'm joined today with two other members by the name of Helena and Nina, who both have went on our recent Namibia trip. And today, you're going to have them just explain or tell us about their personal experience, about what the AAF did, and their perspectives on the trip as a whole. So I'll let them go ahead and introduce themselves, and we're going to have a good conversation. Hello, hello. This is Selena. And um, yes, I was on the uh, Namibia trip for about a month and uh, for the AEF. And I uh, have to say, absolutely loved connecting with uh, Namibians as well as um, other Africans and uh, diasporans uh, from the Caribbean, specifically Jamaica. Um, and African-Americans there. Um, some other Africans were Angolans um, and South Africans um, specifically that uh, was able to talk with and uh, as well as uh, young, younger Namibians. And uh, it, was, it was a great experience um, for me. It's my second time on the continent. Uh, the first time was in Rwanda. And um, being in Namibia, Namibia has a small population in comparison to the actual size of their country, uh, about 2.6 million people, and the country is enormous. <laughs> um, but the folks there um, are very friendly and uh, and open to, uh, especially, and and some people were really uh, extra open. I say they were they were really friendly towards um, African Americans because they've only seen us on television, uh, <laughs> but. Um, just talking with them and and a lot of what they're feeling was what I was seeing is that they, you know, they obviously love their country, um, but they want uh, changes and want progress to happen, uh, not just with uh, internally with dealing with their own folks, but partnering um, and having more engagement with uh, African-Americans and other African diasporans uh, in Namibia and uh, see us uh the the reactions again that we got it wasn't just you know socially friendly oh you know it's nice to meet you but also like hey you know your interest in our country why are you interested in our country um are you staying like uh, i had a few people tell me a month wasn't long enough uh for me so i definitely plan on going back uh but they they want that engagement and that was uh on a social level and economically and uh they, there's a there's a let's say pan-african feeling but an openness uh that that uh, stood out for me my initial uh, reaction uh was to that and um I'll, uh, nina i'll let you go ahead and we can continue um hello i'm nina and i also was on the Nibian trip and this was my first time on the continent um so it was really, really interesting and eye-opening to be able to actually like touch down and really like meet the people and really get in touch with the land. Um, my experience wasn't too much different from Helena's. Um, it was really nice meeting other diasporans, um, meeting the Nibian and, you know, being wholly welcomed and the people were genuinely wanting us 
to be in Namibia, not just, you know, just like, oh, nice that you came. Like, are you coming here? What type of business are you doing here? We're like, we need you here. Like, come do whatever, you know, like we're open to whatever business that you want to do. You know, oh, you're into this. We'll meet this person because they can help you. Like they were very open and willing to help us network um, and be open to introducing us to other people. Um, so that, you know, our network could be as strong as possible. And just having that genuine, warm welcome in every aspect made me personally like, okay, like I want to be here. I want to, you know, do business here. Um, just to have that type of reception from not only the Namibians, but other diasporans who are currently living there and who are, you know, making their lives and help building up um, the continent as a whole. Okay, okay. Um, how would you say, well, you, you guys kind of mentioned it already, well, about the, the local people there. Um, but um, I would say just to get a little more in depth with that, like with their mindset, on like because you know we, we all of us here generally have like a pan-african mindset right so would you say that the locals of all age groups have that or did you notice like like the younger people had that more or was it like the older people had it more than the younger people like how was that in your in your in your opinions i didn't notice I, the, oh i'm sorry go ahead nina i was just wanted to say that um i think that everybody young and old had the mindset I think it was, I got the sense, I don't know if anybody else felt like that, but I got the sense that it was definitely a community feel like we're stronger in numbers. So yes. like, yes, come, yes, link up with us. Yes, let us do this and let us go forward together. Um, everybody was very inclusive, even with like, you know, even though some people were, you know, doing this type of business and some people were on the political realm and some people were on, you know, different um, aspects of the Pan-African field. But everybody was just like, yes, we are still together working towards a common goal. Let us come to, like come together with us so that we could push forward together because we have like this big problem that we have to tackle, which is colonialism and we need all hands on deck you're welcome to come with us and work with us and help us you know overcome this obstacle yes i, I was i was uh thinking the same thing and i i i didn't see a difference uh when it came to age um like the older were more this or the younger were more that um i saw that that at every age level at least the folks that uh i was around wanted wanted that engagement wanted their country to progress with folks with our folks um coming in in numbers and helping and and dealing with the uh the remnants and i guess current colonialism still uh that 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 was uh, as far as you know with jobs and um the the social um engagements I, they wanted that connection they want to build there, there definitely is a hunger especially i'll say for the younger folks who were talking about um their prospects and, and there were some thinking about oh you know and, and just normal i want to to go to another country to experience 
you know, uh, life there or, or, you know, just out and, and being able to travel. Um, but as far as Namibia and the building of Namibia, definitely want that uh, in numbers to, to have help with, uh, because again, the, the whole population is a, the 2.6 million folks in, in an enormous country with a lot of land, a lot of things that could be happening that aren't happening. And um, the excitement when, like, like I, I say, our group with the AEF, the members there discussing um, wanting to do business there and, and wanting to uh, engage with uh, every level, young and old, um, and just, just talking with people and, and wanting to move forward. Yes, we want to move forward and we want, we want to work with you all. I also like to add um, a key piece is that um, technically speaking, Namibia is a fairly young country. Um, to my understanding, they've only been independent for, is it 31 years, if I'm not mistaken? That's right, 30. Um, 30, 31 years. So yeah, I yeah. think that also contributes to the momentum that um, the natives have because like this is their time to really like hit the ground running and build up their country. Um, I know maybe for some people, 31 years may be a long time, but when you're nation building, when you're implementing infrastructure, that's really a drop in the bucket compared Absolutely. to other more established, you know, countries. Um, so I think that adds to their momentum with it being definitely a younger uh, African country that is now having the opportunity in full reign to set their country in the way that they see it in their vision, not anybody else's, um, as well as um, tearing down the, you know, the old systems and powers that be and replacing them um, with systems that they deem necessary for themselves. So um, definitely that takes time, but I think that adds to their momentum and eagerness to really work with others um, in the diaspora um, to get their country just at a comfortable state and you know what I'm saying with infrastructure and, and whatnot and having a young populace uh, uh, as Africa as a whole does have a, a, a large younger population and uh, you know Namibia is no different when with uh, their young folks who are you know active and I mean just like anybody else, any other younger group uh wanting to do something wanting and seeing other countries uh progressing um not just in africa uh but worldwide and, and you know they're young and and and, and see that uh, there are things they can do and they want to learn and uh when you have folks uh coming in and, and discussing that with them and and showing a genuine interest it's like the, the response is like yes uh we want to do this we want that engagement we want something to happen um, our focus when we were in our, our trip was uh, housing, um, as well as other things. But the, it was like up front was uh, discussing housing um, since we were in the um, capital city of Wintook. And uh, that's become an issue as far as uh, cost. Um, and there's a large population of Namibians that uh, are living in um, in uh, some pretty challenging situations uh, with housing, uh, one room or two rooms, and it's not the you know the, the brick house uh, I guess we're you're used to seeing, 
Um, it's basically putting things together and just making it happen the best they can. And it's like, we want decent, affordable housing, again, like anybody else would. And to be able to attend school, to have uh, a, a, you know, a decent life, um, I'll say again, like anybody else would. And when, when discussing, yes, this is something we want to focus on, with open arms, please, yes. And they're pr they're pressing um, their government officials uh, to have that happen. Um, the young folks, as well as the you know their parents and the older folks. So it's on all levels where they want uh, decent housing. They want the country to progress, and and the housing is a is a big part of that. All right, I want to just uh, go into the the. Um the old Namibia a little bit when uh, Nina brought it up. Cause I actually was going to bring that up next as I'm doing now. Okay. Um, so as you guys were there, cause I know there's a sister there that, that lives there. Um, I used to follow her. I, fo I actually subscribed to her YouTube channel. Actually it's called Afro American in Namibia, I believe, or in Africa. And mm -hmm. um, I was going to ask while you were there or, um, did you see any like remnants of the apartheid era while you were there? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know for her, she saw like an old like train system there, and I know too. Um, they actually in in Namibia before you guys went. Um, I saw a YouTube video where this actually, I wouldn't say it's a resort, but it's like a tour, like a train tour where they, they use an apartheid train system or colonial train system mm -hmm. and use that as like, and it travels to like uh, different parts of the country um, day by day. And then at each stop, the the, the 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 people like do like different things or stay overnight at a resort and stuff like that. So while you were there, um, can you just explain why, what you guys saw while you were there regarding that era? Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me were in Windhoek were definitely the neighborhoods. Um, yes, yeah. That was one big thing. The neighborhoods were not necessarily fully segregated, but it was just like, okay, you have the white people that stay over here. You have the coloreds that stay over here. You have, um, you know, just the blacks that stayed over here. Like, um, even when it came down to uh, in... Uh, what was that where the market was yeah, you had like single quarters had a tour you had like yeah. the single quarters and then you had like the family quarters or whatever and it was just like that was very much so like very you know very prominent of the apartheid era mm -hmm. um, and just with like even some of the businesses or what have you it's still very much you know, uh, when we went to the place that had the uh, the, the skins, the rugs, like it was yeah. very clear that yeah. that was a very white-owned business, and there mm -hmm. were just you know Namibian workers there. Like that was very, to me, it did feel reminiscent of apartheid. Like you know what I'm saying? Like this is what they do as far as like being separate and apart. Because even in that industrial area where they were, it wasn't like. You know what I'm saying? Anything. If you didn't know, you probably wouldn't even know that was there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, definitely the neighborhoods is one of the first things that struck me as very remnant to the apartheid era. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say that, and I, I was thinking about with the businesses, the banks, and just the overwhelming domination of uh, the banking system being controlled. It's not in, uh, I'll say, in Namibian hands. Um, it's uh, it, it, their economic system is, uh, you, you know, even though it's not, there's not official uh, apartheid. It, it's still the case. I mean, the, the I think the maybe the handful of black folks who were in the uh, private banking sector um, haven't scratched the surface of uh, the banking system there, really. It's uh, it, it's still very much out of the hands of uh, control of uh, Black Namibians. I would also say, um, yeah, to piggyback off of what she was saying, that is the feel of the whole country. And I think that adds to it being a new country, like they have yet to really, you know, gain grab the rails um the reins of their country to say this is ours and this is how we're going to run it it's um it i want to say on paper maybe it looks transitional like they're transitioning um but in reality on the ground just like helena was saying like there it, it there's there hasn't been no transition of power there's not yeah. i haven't i didn't see any initiatives where you know you had people or the government or any organizations that were saying, okay, like we're going to help um, promote more uh, Namibian business owners uh, to start businesses. And you know what I'm saying? Things like that. Like, no. Now, I know we had. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say we have. Oh, I was just going to say. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Go ahead, Helen. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say that I know there have been discussions um, like with, with businesses, if you want to come in and. and Obviously, the, the preference is to partner uh, with uh, Namibian nationals uh, and have uh, Namibian uh, workers and, and invest, you know, in every level uh, in Namibia that way. Um, so I know that there there have been uh, people not just talking, but saying, OK, if you if you really want to come in, this is what, you know, this is what would be great. And it would be. I mean, it just obviously it just makes sense. But as far as uh, overall, with with currently what's there, like again, I focus on the the with the banking sector. Um, it just doesn't appear to be the case, um, and the control of the economy isn't with um, the Namibians themselves. At least what you know, what I what I saw and and heard. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why. Um... That lends to one of the reasons why they're so open to diasporans to come and to link up with fellow Namibians and invest that way because they can't depend on the banking system to support them. They fully understand that that is not they're that they're not going to be able to get anywhere like that. That they're going to have to depend on um, that we're going to have to depend on each other to hold each other up and you know lift as we climb. So to speak. And it's a worldwide issue. Obviously, it's not just something that is affecting uh, one nation. But um, when you have a, a, it's a new, uh, new nation. It's a thir- thirty years independence, and 
you're talking about progress that's a huge part of it who controls the economy and, and the banking system so it's definitely affecting them as a smaller population yeah that's because that's one generation right there right 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 so and they 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 got the end from when I did like a quick Google search because I actually didn't know when they got the independence but I saw that they got their independence in 1990 right that's right so because they were they were actually a part of South Africa that's right at one point that's right um, and South so, Africa still plays a huge role um the German yeah. uh there's a German population the Boers of South Africa and uh the Namibians themselves are the three and, and there's a Angolan uh populace uh also that uh okay that we saw there but yeah as far as the control of the economy it seems to be heavily influenced by uh, South Africa still in uh, German sector. All right. Um, what I would like to ask next from you, from your guys' experience, from your ladies' experience, excuse me. Um, because you know, well, you know the whole like uh, argument that some people make with the whole tribal thing. So, in your opinion. Uh, did the various ethnic groups in that country, did you see any like tension between the people in regards to that? Or was everybody generally just like um, identifying as like more so African or Namibian when you encountered them? Well, I uh, the situations that I was in, I didn't see the tension. I know that there, 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 there's some there just from some of the stories people were we're you know we're saying and, and and telling us about there um the the uh some of the situations the social situations i was in like you know sit down eating and uh, uh and talking what have you that there they there are uh people who acknowledge uh probably you know they're different uh tribal groupings or ethnic groupings um but it wasn't like when we were sitting there eating, it wasn't like, oh, you're Herrero or you're this or you're that. And, you know, I don't like, you know, I don't like you people, you know, nothing, nothing like that. There was an, obviously an acknowledgement of the different groups and um, different uh, behaviors assigned to uh, different groups, but it wasn't hostile. But again, you know, I, it, it, I'm just going by the, the situations I was in and I wasn't there for, uh, for more than a month. So um, that, that was just my experience. But there definitely are uh, there are some lines, um, but that that's just from s- stories and things that we were told. Um, yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I just think that that's something that might come out a little bit as you stay a little bit longer. Right. Right. Um, I don't. That wasn't. It, it was there. Like like Helena said. Like you people would speak of the you know their tribe and give different attributes to different um tribal clans um but to say that there was tension no i didn't feel that at all um but i think maybe if i was to spend i don't know maybe six months to a year maybe i would see a little bit more if if it was any tension there at all you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying i don't know um but from what i from what i experienced there was no there was just no outright hatred or anything. Um, even when it came down to communities, I didn't see that. Even when we were in the northern region, which was a lot more rural, right? It wasn't. It wasn't pointed out that oh, this tribe is over here and that tribe is over there. That that was not 
that was that was not existent in life. Yeah, and well, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about like we went to I mean, quite a few restaurants, and just uh, before I left, um, we were uh, the AEF uh, interviewing some um, students, and um, the I think a theater group. I'm not sure how to characterize it, but they they were actors, um, and they're from different tribal groups and just us sitting and talking and while you know different folks are waiting to be interviewed just sitting and talking and eating and what have you and they say oh i'm you know from the herrera group or damara or something else and it was again it was just free-flowing just talking but i'm, I'm guessing maybe in a, a situation where we're conducting business or, or something and you can maybe see like for land maybe uh somebody would want to um, you know, assert their <laughs> their group's uh, uh, rights over something uh, versus somebody else, maybe. But I, I, again, that's just a speculation. I we didn't see, at least, I, like I said with Nina, I didn't see any of that, anything like hostile. It was uh, it, it was it was pretty much an open, uh, pretty generous uh, group of people that we were we were talking to. So. Um, obviously, I'm sure that there's tension someplace, somewhere, at some point, but it, we we didn't experience that. Um, I want to kind of like dwell a little, little like poke a little more into that. Um, because you said that they only like, this is like pretty much all the people you met. This is like their first physical um, time meeting somebody that's quote unquote African American. For for so, some people, for some people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for those few, did, did you did would would you say they they gave you like any kind of special treatment, or was it like kind of like just like anybody else? Like you felt you felt like a local, or did you feel like more that like you were being more treated a little more special than others around you? Oh, I I'd, I'd say <laughs> I say um I think three different situations. One where it was just ogling, we were just staring, somebody just staring. <laughs> um, another where the person was uh, genuinely uh, engaging in, you know, wanting to hear about the United States and, you know, what brought us to Namibia. And I'm, I'm just thinking about the, some of the conversations I've had. And, um, and so engaging in that way. And the third was the person was super nice. I'm thinking about one situation in particular. Nina was with me. We were in a, a clothing store. And the, one of the clerks, he just, he almost lost it because he'd only seen African-Americans on TV in our accent. You know, and he's like, I, you know, he couldn't believe that we actually sounded, you know, with the, with the American accent. It's like, you know, that's a real accent. That's because I've only seen you all on TV or whatever. He was really sweet. He was very kind. He was very enthusiastic. I mean, he couldn't give us extra discounts or anything, but uh, it was it was really, really, really nice. It was really nice. So um, I, I didn't have a neg. I'm trying to think a negative encounter because of our act. It, nothing jumps out to me. Uh, Nina, you, you, if you want to. No, I didn't have any negative experience. It was very like people were either like um, there were times in the grocery store um, if I was in the grocery store checking out and like I noticed like if um, we were talking like when we were coming back um, from the north coming back to um, Windhoek, mm -hmm. we were at the grocery store. I think it was me, Clarence, 
um i don't know if bradley or was it fiona that was there i'm not sure but we were just checking out and like we were just talking amongst ourselves and like there were like three or four girls that were there at the checkout one was actually ringing us up one was bagging and somebody else was there i don't know what they were doing they were talking amongst our, themselves but as soon as we started talking i don't know if anybody else noticed but they like all just quieted down and they were just like in awe <laughs> like oh my god like these are amazing people they were just like yeah they were just like they were just awestruck. They were just like, oh, like, like just listening. Like they just immediately got quiet and like their eyes were as big as dollar pieces. Like they were just like, oh my goodness. Well, let me say um, what asked for that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nina. Oh, and uh, it was, it, it made, for me personally, it was a little uncomfortable when people, like people just wanted me to talk. Like they just want to hear me talk. And I was just like, that made me a little uncomfortable. Um, but that's just my own personal, you know, that was just my own personal personality towards that. Because I try to keep myself kind of low key and just kind of blend in. But it was really like, as soon as I opened my mouth, there was no blending in. It was just like, oh, you're American. Like, yeah. we want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. Um, like, this is just so crazy that, like, it it was almost like a mid-level celebrity or something. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> <I didn't laughs> it. Yeah. Not somebody super famous, but somebody semi-famous. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. So it was like that. Well, some of the, the 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 actors were telling me I sounded like Viola Davis. They were fascinated by the accent, and I was like, I don't, I don't hear that at all. But uh, maybe it's the accent that's. But some of the some of the reactions were funny. It was like again, not not negative. It was, uh, you know, it was well, Helena, you know, at the um at the, when we went to North at the Huts, those two young men were like, I sound like Cardi B. They were just like they kept saying it. They kept saying it. Like they were like, you sound like Cardi B, and I was like, really? I don't think so. That's right. New York or anything, but like, and I got that other places too. Um when I was in the mall, they was like, "You sound just like Cardi B," and I was like, "Really?" Oh, that's hilarious, um, the Cardi B thing. No, I, I, I could see why. I could see why they said that. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't feel like I sound like Cardi. I don't know. Like, I mean, she has a soft voice. I have a soft voice, but I feel like she has definitely more of a New York accent than I. Oh than yeah, I yeah. do. Um, so yeah, but and maybe because I do talk with my hands a lot, I don't know, but. <laughs> They put Cardi on me. So, <laughs> well, well, and let me say, I, w I wanted to add too that some when you were talking about the uh, grocery store and the people and the, some of the ladies who were stopping and just staring, some of that energy because I I remember plenty of places we were just with our group and how we interact with each other. Not that we're extra loud, but we're we're energetic and we always you know we're we're joking around with each, with each other, what have you. So I'm betting on top of the the different accent, just the way that we. We we'll all kid around with each other uh, stood out too. I'm sure. So camaraderie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. happened a lot when um, we were in uh, Kigali. Last, oh yeah, like two years ago. Yeah, like, we get it's like that's why it's funny because it's like it's the same thing that you're explaining. Like especially with me because I had like a little utility pouch. Yes. So, <laughs> so people, every time I want to ask a question, dude, like the odds would like like uh, blow up because they didn't know what to expect because they were like, well, "Who's this? Who's this big dude accent with a with a tactical like, pouch asking me? Exactly. Like, who are you? What are you doing? What are you about to do? It's so, like, why do you want to know? 
So, well, that's so yeah, it was the same things with, with us there too. Well, mm-hmm. I would say without the without the awe of um, meeting um, an African American person for the first time, mm-hmm. like there they didn't really they didn't really care. Like it was like okay. <laughs> no, like, yeah, I remember the stairs. It was it was genuine. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, it wasn't like um like what Nina was saying. Like, okay, okay, you just say something. The only time that ever happened to me wasn't even in another country. It was down south. Oh, that's so my dad. <laughs> that's yeah. what I, in a barbershop. That they wanted me to say ten for some reason. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> but. It's a, it's a stressed ten. So, yeah, so that's 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 the only time I ever experienced that. But uh, um, that is I funny. Did, I did also want to mention. I know you had asked earlier about like discounts and stuff. I didn't get any discounts per se. Um, mm-hmm. For the few hours that I was out and about by myself, I will honestly say like I felt so taken care of. Like yeah. I did not feel like anybody was going to do anything with, yeah. to me at all. I yes. didn't feel like people, as soon as I started talking and they knew that I wasn't from yeah. there, they was just like, okay, this yes. is what you should do. This is what you should expect. Yeah. Like they were literally like handling me with kid gloves. Like, okay, like I went to get tested for COVID on my way back. Yep. And I asked the security guard about a taxi and he was like, oh, yes. He was like, you need a taxi? He was like, is this your first time getting a taxi? I was like, yes. He was like, okay. He literally left out the building with me walked me to the side of the street he was like okay you just lift your hand a taxi should be here they should charge you xyz amount of dollars if they charge you any more than that they're overcharging you and tell them that you're only paying such and such like it was just like and then when i got in the taxi like the guy exchanged looks with the taxi driver like they didn't even speak he just gave him a look and he nodded and the taxi driver was like okay where are you going okay like it was like I did not feel like anybody was gonna snatch me or anything. Yeah. I was in the mall, like people, and, and even I noticed also like people didn't haggle me as much when I was by myself. Like as soon as I started talking, and I'd be like, "No, I'm okay." Like they left me alone. Like they wasn't haggling me. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, it was like that too in uh, in in Rwanda and uh, Kigali. Everybody just just mind their own business and just leave people alone. And like yeah. it's not like anybody trying to rob somebody, because especially there, because in certain areas of Kigali it'd be real dark. So like you really gotta like rely on your eyes adjusting. Oh yeah, <laughs> to, to the pitch black darkness. But we're walking but late even, at night in Kigali. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, even late at night. Late night. Talking about one a.m., two a.m. No problem. No problem. So, but I know, I know. Right now in Namibia, y'all couldn't do that. Because of um, the, the oh um, curfew, yeah, the curfew, curfew right now because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, so I know y'all probably couldn't really experience that too much being not like late late at night. Yeah, but just what um, Nina was talking about, it's it just the way people reacted to you. I mean, being helpful, that yeah. genuine kindness. I mean, and with the taxi, that's awesome because oh yeah, they could easily take advantage. Uh, but just I mean, I'm just thinking about some of the interactions I had with just I mean, be, people being helpful offering and, and being helpful um was uh was something that stood out also now i would say but my next question um because this is a low population so 
in the city, would you say? Because me and me and you are from uh, me and you, Helena, from cities, right? Mm -hmm. So we know how how noisy a city can be. Yes. So would you say that in compare in, in Windhoek, for example, or um, Swakopmund, or any other other cities y'all went to, mm -hmm. would you say that it was generally quieter than the cities that me and you are both from? I say about the same. Well, Swakopmund was quieter. Um, that's I mean, you know, seaside. Uh, and where we were um, was we were in a bread and bre uh, bread and bed and breakfast, and uh, I think the noise that was made was made probably by us, you know, playing games yeah. and talking and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Windhoek, yeah, I, I think we were the ones who, if anything, were making noise in Swakopmund. But um, in Windhoek. I, the neighborhood that we were in as far as our house uh, the flat we were in uh, I, I, you know actually the both we were in a flat and a house and I'd say in, since I was in both um, at some point the, the noise living there was pretty quiet again we had brides and cookouts and kids who were um, and driving fast and I mean you know you can hear like the feel the the ground rumbling a little bit with uh with the the, the strength of the, I don't know if it's a carburetor or whatever it is the, the, the engine um vibrating but um that happened quite a few times but as far as genuine uh a lot of noise what have you no it was when you're downtown it was a it's a big city for um for Namibia but for us compared to us especially compared to New York no way Good gracious, no! It, it's small. <laughs> it's uh, it, it was a, it's a nice sized city, and it wasn't, it wasn't. I didn't find it uh, loud or. You know. Okay, okay, and you, Nina? Um, yeah, I thought that was one of the things that was kind of surprising because I was expecting it to be um, louder than what it was, um, but it was not. I felt like it was relatively quiet especially in the evening times like i don't know if that had to do with the, the curfew um uh, you yeah. know what i'm saying but yeah. i'm not sure if that had anything to do with it but at nighttime like it was nighttime everybody was inside like it was it was very quiet even when we were downtown in the cities and you had people out there in the streets selling certain stuff and traffic right it still wasn't a overwhelming like it, it wasn't anything compared to like a New York or a Chicago right. like because when you're you're like I I know for me personally like when I'm in New York I am overwhelmed with sightseeing <laughs> you know sound and everything like it is just a lot coming at you really fast and it's just it is not the same feeling at all mm -mm. Yeah, not much compares to New York so maybe that's not a <laughs> um, well not even compared to like um another city let me take um something random like Columbia, South Carolina had a, would have a little bit more going on mm -hmm. than downtown Windhoek um, as far as like noise level and yeah. activity and what have you um, yeah no I, I consider it relatively um, quiet um, yeah um, I don't know I think also that I don't know if it's the cultural piece because like Helena was saying most of the time, just the way we interact with each other, like we was, oh, yeah. you know, loud and rowdy <laughs> compared to people in general. Like they weren't generally just kind of like loud and rowdy yeah. and just kind of like throw their head back and laugh out loud. That was more reserved for smaller gatherings, like maybe at the barbecue that we had. Then, right. you know, people would open up and let loose a little bit more, right. but more out in public, like people are genuinely more reserved and for the most part from what I can 
Okay. Okay, okay. Um, I had a question, but it slipped my mind. <laughs> uh oh. Um. Oh, there. I remember now. So, hell in love because me and you were both were in Kigali. Mm-hmm. So, in regards with this with this question, right? Like, would you say Kigali was more, more, more of a louder city than, uh, like, let's say Windhoek? I would just because of the sheer numbers of people. Um, Kigali has I don't know I mean but millions right <laughs> but I mean it, it just because of the sheer number of people and all the activity I would say so from from memory here I'm I, I'm going to say yes and again yeah. I, and, and maybe that 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 curfew plays into it a little bit but I mean I I I don't think too much. Just what Nina was mentioning is maybe it's a cultural thing too that because we were you know. Uh, robust and and joking around with each other and you know having a good time and laughing and what have you and and uh i think that's uh more so in kigali would be happening versus how uh folks were in Ventuk as far as the noise level that uh i'd say more so in uh, kigali yeah, so as of 2020 uh kigali has a population of 1 million 132,000 people ah, okay one thing okay okay and that's a lot for a city yeah. for, as well. I'm just thinking we not we compared were to New York, but right. But again, like as I like as I've been saying, like before we even uh, y'all even went on the trip, that the population alone is like probably the population of one borough in New York City. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that's one city. Big difference. Yeah, out of oh, the yeah. five. So, yep. and that's for a whole entire country. So that's why I was very curious. When um when I was getting ready to go, even though unfortunately I couldn't go, and mm-hmm. and then, but like how the city would be being yeah. from a major city like uh, like New York City. Yeah, cause I'm like it must be like a ghost town compared to that. Uh yeah, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, you make that comparison. Yes, a big difference. Big difference. Like a tumbleweed go by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big big difference. Yeah, I would I would I would make that comparison because that was like when I because I was like I was telling one of my family members i was like when it gets nighttime out here it is quiet like it's quiet it's it's noticeably quiet yeah you know what i'm saying like it's one thing just be quiet but when silence is so loud like it is noticeably quiet i was like oh it is quiet quiet around here (laughs) ain't nobody outside ain't no dogs in the street like it's quiet quiet yeah absolutely all right now I want to get into more of the history of the country that because I saw on some of the, the pictures that y'all like I saw like some nice uh, landscapes and um, sites to see. So um, like cultural spots. Mm-hmm. So um, what historical things did uh, you ladies find find out while you were there on the trip? Oh, man, you got to tap my memory here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, when, oh, but. Me. Well, I was just gonna say the first thing that came to my mind was definitely the cemetery. Bingo! I'm just gonna say the memorial. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Um, that was one of the biggest things. That was the memorial for um the Nibian um revolutionary fighters that started, I guess, uh, a revolutionary movement. Um, December something 1959 and then in the in the cemetery was only 
people that actually actually participated in the actual revolt, um, local Namibians um, from that time. Um, so that struck me. Um, and I could really feel um, that revolutionary energy kind of vibrating there. I don't know if that was just me, but um, I thought that that was really interesting um, historically. Yeah, it was powerful. Um, yeah. Um, and I think also, I keep going back to this portion, but I think with it still being a young country, they are still erecting their history and tearing down a lot of the German history because they were colonized by Germany. So when we went by the museum, there was a fairly new monument that they had just put up um, because they had to take down a monument that was of some German guy. I don't know who he was. Um, Helena, do you remember what I'm speaking of? I, I remember when you talk, but I don't remember the name. Mm-hmm. So there was apparently previously there was some German person that was there and they just recently had it removed because it was, first of all, there was some German person. Second of all, it was made from bullets from the revolution yeah um that they used that the germans used or what have you so it was melted down bullets that this actual monument was made of and so that was a, like a, people were still a little sour over that um speaking of that that um they didn't much like how the um confederate monuments are being taken down here like some people just don't understand like why would it be taken down like yeah. you know what i'm saying so people it was that was um made evident um so they just erected that one so it was a lot of it wasn't a whole lot of this is Namibian history um per se it was a lot of it was it i would say it was a good great deal of um the history of Germany invading Namibia that was in the process of being uh, reconstructed and retold through the Namibian land. I will say that. Yeah, it's clear they're still working through um, that history and presenting it. Um, while there's still a large, you know, there's a young population, obviously the memory is still fresh for uh, a lot of people. And uh, some of the things we saw, we took a, a tour of Flintuk. We had a, a tour guide and um, was just pointing out like what Nina just mentioned. And uh, we went to the uh, parliament, um, to their parliament, Namibia parliament, and um, saw a bus of, uh, or full statues of uh, some past leaders, as well as a park, a beautiful park across from the parliament. But just, you know, just some of the uh, the stories that our, our guide was telling us throughout the, the whole um, throughout the whole uh, tour, and uh, standing in front of Parliament, you realize, I guess, like with any other country who's dealt with colonial colonialism, just how much they've dealt with, how far they've come in such a short time—thirty years, you say, 30, 31 years. Uh, some people think that's a long time. I don't. <laughs> um that that uh that history is still um alive it's not necessarily out front and discussed uh amongst namibians everyday um discussions and social gatherings but you know still dealing with the remnants of uh colonialism like with 
in our in our country in the uh, United States um, dealing with um, the remnants of slavery and uh, Jim Crow and that uh, the the colonial mindset. Um, it, it's 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 not. I mean, it's something they're you know they're really starting to work through, and um, you see it, you see the effects of it, and I mean, I'm optimistic with that because of the way again people were reacting to us and seeing and hearing them um, stating their desires to move forward. Um, it's uh, that that history is is definitely there. It's not it's not going away anytime soon. You, you see it with, and we, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to go through the, uh, the museum um, that they have. And I can't remember the name of the national museum, but what I was told was that there, there are things in there that it's not, it doesn't give, I guess, as much of the history as the person that was telling me about it, uh, that he thought they should give, but it's something. So uh, uh, this is a work in progress, I'll say at this point. Um, 30, 31 years, so they've, they've, they've got a lot to uh, to deal with and to come to terms with still. And I would also like to add that they, when I say they, Native and Namibian, are engaged and willing to do that work. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I did get that sense also. It's just like you, it was like when we were on our tours, it was just like, okay, you see this here, this is here, this is what it is, but so and so and so and so and so and so. So right. it's just like okay. So like I feel like they are ready to tell their own stories and rewrite their own narratives. Um, but that is that that's just a work in progress. I I feel as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna draw that comparison earlier when you guys mentioned when I answered my apartheid question. Mm-hmm. I'm like you know because you you hear a lot of the like um like stateside the he. There's a narrative going around that um, that um, black people from other countries don't have our same experiences. Uh, yeah, yeah. As you guys both know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's, it's very it's very great that you guys mentioned that and how we could have, and how you made that correlation before I did, Helena. Yeah, and there. I mean, um, and if if when when people say that, obviously different countries there's there's a different say level or a different amount or different way but the the whole point is that it's still colonialism and so there's some uh there's some overlap there's something that is relatable um especially for people of african descent no matter where Uh, yeah but so there's something so it might not have been the the chattel slave and it wasn't the chattel slavery but they were dealing with a, a horrendous um holocaust and uh Namibia, the first Holocaust that uh, was dealt uh, by the Germans was uh, uh, against the Herero folks. Uh, The Herero. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so there, you know, there are different things. And I said, trying to to compare and contrast all the time, I said, you know, when people do that sometimes, you know, I I just don't see that it's helpful. (laughs) I don't understand what the the reason is. unless somebody's telling you hey y'all y'all don't really know what we're dealing with and somebody comes back with with you know that as a retort that we dealt with chattel slavery you did not or so or something like that but the, the point being that they definitely had uh, a horrific 
uh, experiences under colonialism there and, and how it was handled on the African continent uh, versus how uh, things were done in the United States. Um, the, the point being that it was horrific. That, that to me, at, when discussing it, that's it. And uh, you try to resolve things um, in each particular country, um, but doing just the, the, the comparison, just to throw it out there, is just it's not helpful. They went through uh, they went through hell too. Yeah, they went through things of equal value. Also, too, when people mention these these weird, because um, they when they usually bring these comparisons up, they usually bring them up to to cause division. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. So that's it's like so when you bring the when they bring it up as like do you like they bring it up as if they're not the same people. Right. Right. Yeah, like that's that's the that's the thing that gets me. It's like okay, you're black they're black as well you do understand that right that is a very key piece that is definitely a major factor in in division um because yeah. it, it is equally as horrific we have the same enemy like that yeah. is just long and the short of it we have the same enemy um and even though they may have attacked us differently from the way they've attacked different portions of the continent it was still an attack and so um nonetheless it was still an evasion nonetheless so yeah yeah um it doesn't in my mind it, it like helena says it's not helpful that it doesn't really matter i mean how they did it it, it was still an assault it was right. still an offense so all right um i would say my final question is with the networking portion of the trip because um, I know you guys told me that you, you met like a lot of key notable people mm-hmm. on your trip there in in, uh, in Namibia. So how was it meeting all these? Uh, as I walk, as I would call the elite of <laughs> Namibia. Well, we met uh, quite a few people, uh, different different uh, uh, areas of society. Um, you got the working man and working woman, uh, blue collar folk white collar folk, um, people involved in, uh, in government somehow, um, business owners, um, people who were uh, investing uh, their time and efforts in Namibia uh, and who are, who are living there as uh, citizens or you know, expats, what have you. And um, it, was, it was encouraging as far as a, you know, a, a goal uh, as an African-American uh, to re-engage with the uh, with the continent, and specifically in this case with uh, Namibia, to engage um, socially and, and business-wise, hopefully, and uh, it was it, it was a very positive experience because you had people who were interested uh, in in helping and wanting that uh, that connection and that engagement, and and walking you through uh, you know some of the processes there. And uh, seeing what's helpful, what's not, giving feedback on ideas that were presented. Um, again, it was people who everyday folk who were working and like, hey, you know, I was saying with uh, earlier with the housing and like, you know, on the business end of, of producing housing for folks there, uh, that's that's huge. And just that positive uh, response of, hey, this, uh, somebody who would want to to purchase that house, um, and and somebody else who would say, hey, I'd want to work. Uh, with the company who's who's doing this and, and you know lend my expertise maybe in an office something like that um, so 
it was it was I say on every level that we encountered uh, was was uh, was positive. That they're they're definitely obviously you're dealing with another country, so you you're going to deal with uh, processes uh, some differences from um, where, what you're used to dealing with and having having folks uh, willing to walk you through that process and give advice and their opinions uh, was was an enormous help. It was uh, it, it was definitely good. It was it was good. I'll, I'll leave it there. See Nina. Um, I would like to add that I it it was fine. I think everybody is so that I encountered was so open and so eager to get this work done that it, it at a certain point like you just the, the status wasn't an issue yeah um it was just like okay everybody was willing to do their part and to do you know everybody is willing to do their part and do what they can do and it wasn't any uh big eyes or little use like everybody was there in their own capacity to bring to the table what they had to bring to the table via skills networking knowledge you know what have you to mm-hmm. you know come together to say okay this is what i can do this is what i could offer to our common goal um so even though we met people from definitely different spectrums um of the status scale when we were all together it did not feel like it didn't feel like that at all. You right. had the diplomats, the tailors were right there at the cookout eating ribs. And you know what I'm saying? Potato salad with us. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was no, it was no like, oh, there there was there was no division in that um, sense that I felt or sense at all. Um, everybody was there to come together and talk about what it is that they could do. And you know what is it is that they could offer, and how we could come together to get things going um, for Namibia as a whole. That was the common goal that everybody was dedicated to work towards. All right. Well, I can't think of any more questions to ask you, ladies. All right. I would just say, um, is there any like last words in regards for the trip? And also, when will you go back to Namibia? Ooh, well, any I, I want to go back sometime this year. That's what I'm pushing to do. Um, it was it was overall a positive experience. I said again, second time on the continent, and for me, just uh, it, it was wonderful because I wasn't expecting to to be there, expecting to go to a, a different country, and uh, it just it, it really turned out well, and it helped with um, having a group um, presence also and meeting other people and having the, the, you know, everybody kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and interacting. Uh, it was it was a positive experience and I, I definitely treasure it and definitely pu- I'm pushing to uh, go back sometime this year. Um, for me, uh, I was also trying to see if I could get back, even if it was a short visit sometime this year. Um, as of right now, I haven't necessarily have it set in stone. I have a certain date that I will have it set in stone, but as of right now, Namibia is definitely on my radar of places to actually move. 
Mm. I could totally mm. see myself like living there um, for a number of reasons. Um, one main reason was just, I felt, I want to say the ease of communication. I did not encounter any situations where I felt like there was a language barrier, where I wasn't being understood or where I couldn't understand anybody. Um, and that was a major plus. Um, the ease of being able to move around between um, city to city, town to town was very easy. Um, it was very clean um, country overall. Um, the cost of living obviously is way cheaper than in, in the States in, in, in most places. Um, and just the genuine welcome of the people is what I found most appealing. So I'm most definitely trying to get to Namibia um, sooner than later, not only for a visit, but to, to stay as of right now. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, and just to throw in uh, as a last little point about the weather uh, was just, you know, around this time, it's just beautiful. Um, low 80s, um, sunny, I think, whew, maybe 98% of the time. Um, we got a little rain here. And I'm talking about uh, in Ventuk. Um, we went uh, in our trip uh, up north and to the west, um, Swakamund and uh, Walvish Bay. Um, and we have a couple members who are still there uh, and they've been able to go to uh, some points south and a little bit to the east. Um, but the, the, the weather overall was just incredible. Uh, the, the beautiful the beautiful African sun was uh, was definitely shining bright and I know they're they're going to be going into their winter um, maybe within the within uh, I don't know by the end of this month or maybe early June something like that uh, but uh, in their winter they it get very cold but uh, as it had explained to us no ice or anything like that I think if there's snow it would be in uh, South Africa um, but uh, it's just, it's a beautiful country. Um, absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. And that alone is like, oh yeah, that catches your attention, just that gorgeous weather. <laughs> but there's there's so much more to it, obviously, but uh, the weather was, was uh, absolutely beautiful. All right. Well, before we end this off, I want to just give a shout out to the lovely ladies, Helena and Nina. Uh, sharing their experience and also um our local homie and member jack obina and tahuti that uh also helped us make this trip very possible and very convenient for us to the best of their abilities so i want to just give a shout out to them shout out and um yeah guys uh, thank you for listening to another episode of african wealth and we, you will hear from us again pretty soon have a good day, evening, or night.